The Blur Havoc podcast may contain content some may find offensive, vulgar, or inappropriate for work or school. All views expressed on this show solely belong to the individual that expressed them. Viewer discretion is advised. Hello and welcome to the Blur Havoc Podcast. We're in uh, episode two, I believe. Uh, it's only been the second episode, and I'm already I already have to think about what <laughs> what episode we're on. So I got myself here a little a uh, little bit of white claw action. Let's pop this open. Uh, nice cold one for the boys. Um, let's get cracking. So so how about this? Let's get right into it. Um, you ever notice that like when you watch like a TV show? or like watch a long running series of films you realize that a character is becoming thinner and thinner and like they're becoming kind of one note let's talk about that um uh because i was i was i just got back from the gym uh worked out got my shower in um and i was thinking about this meme i saw right of shadow the hedgehog right you know edgy super brooding um you know, all the all the twelve year olds and fourteen year olds think it's cool to act like Shadow, right? Um, so I thought about it, and there was this meme that I saw that it said, "These two are two different characters," and it was an image of Shadow from Sonic Adventure Two, and then Shadow from like post Sonic 06. and I was just like, "You're right, they are two different characters." It's nuts because here's the thing that. A lot of people forget that Shadow was a little bit multi-layered in Sonic Adventure 2. Um, not multi-layered, but he, he showed different emotions. He was a different character, in essence. Because, you know, most people just know him as the, the, the black version of Sonic that just says, Where's that damn fourth Chaos Emerald? You know, that thing. Yeah, I mean. Um, but uh, people don't remember, people seem to forget that in Sonic Adventure 2, Shadow was Shadow was a bit cocky. He was cocky, he was arrogant. Um he he had a um I'm better than you kind of attitude towards Sonic. Like a lot of people forget the line, you're not even good enough to be my faker. That was something Shadow had Shadow said in Sonic Adventure 2. And people kind of forget that he was he was he was kind of cocky. Um and I kind of liked Sonic Adventure 2 Shadow a lot more than, like, say, Sonic Heroes or Shadow the Hedgehog Shadow. Um, look at me jumping straight into the Sonic lore, not explaining anything. <laughs> uh, Sonic Adventure 2 Shadow was was definitely a different character. Um, he was a lot more fun. He was a lot more kind of cheesy and hammy. Um, like, people usually associate, like, the, the frown with him. He's the, the black version of Sonic that frowns that sounds a little problematic but whatever screw it um uh but like in like his second like scene not even a second scene i think in the hero so in the hero story the first time he shows up he's smiling he's flipping the chaos emerald while he's standing on the big the bigfoot mech that sonic destroyed right so he's smiling flipping the chaos emerald and he's taunting sonic while the music is playing entirely too loud <laughs> but um in the sh in in the dark story he's uh you know he's acting cocky towards Eggman as well. He does. I don't think he smiles immediately, but he's he's 
relatively cocky. So what what that is, where we get one character at the beginning when he's first introduced, and by the time the series goes on and on and on, um, we realize that this character has derailed. This character is a completely different character. What is that called? Well, TV Tropes defines this as flanderization. It's when a character is taken basically different writers take on the same character and they kind of accentuate the one thing that they're known for or the flanderize it. they flanderize it in a sense because it basically flanderization is uh gets its namesake from Ned Flanders from the Simpsons where at the beginning when he was first introduced he was a completely different character from the diddly do diddly diddly d character that he is now where he's kind of one note now. Like, now he's kind of a one note joke character now. So that shows you how that character has devolved from a character that actually, you know, mattered to a character that's just a joke now. So what what is the problem there? How does that how does that happen? Well, like I said, it's due to multiple different writers handling the same character. Um, Sonic is kind of victim to this as well. Um because now he's just the the too cool, too too awesome skater bro, dude bro kind of character now. Um, when originally in like let's say Sonic Adventure, he was a little bit more uh, multifaceted, I suppose. Um, where he took he took things seriously. Um, now modern Sonic, it takes like you know Eggman doing some horrendous shit <laughs> for Sonic to finally go okay. Time to stop making jokes. Like, good example being Sonic Colors, when uh, when it's revealed that Eggman is using the Wisps as living fuel. As dark as that is, yes, it was in a Sonic game. <laughs> but it, it, it took Sonic seeing that for him to be like, okay, we have to take this serious. But most of the time, modern Sonic is just like this kind of dude bro, like always cracking jokes kind of character. Um, and that's pretty one note. It gets kind of grating after a while, where everything he has, everything he says, has to be funny. While Sonic Adventure Two, Sonic is a bit different, where uh, like the scene towards the end, or not towards the end, the end during the credit scene, where he uh, shares that scene with Amy, um, and he's taking it seriously. Like Shadow, for all they know, Shadow died in Sonic Adventure Two, and he takes it serious. There's no jokes in that scene. It's actually a pretty, it's a pretty decent scene actually except for the part where tail says we all did it together and it's just like way to ruin the mood child actor but okay <laughs> um but yeah uh that's that's a problem that comes from different writers kind of getting the wrong idea about characters um and taking the one aspect of that character and making it a bigger aspect of them um for example, that would be like uh, let's let's look at Marvel, right? Um, actually, they kind of flanderized Iron Man from Iron Man One to Iron Man Two, where uh, that was actually kind of the point um, was to make Tony's traits more exacerbated, right? Um, he was kind of a millionaire playboy, full of whatever he said. In Avengers, I can't say it right now for some reason. Uh, but he's like a billionaire, like playboy, who you know does what he wants, right? They exacerbated it in Iron Man Two because that was a an arc. It was that was part of the issue. 
was that Tony's lifestyle was out of control because he was dying, right? Um, the, the, the arc reactor was slowly killing him, um, and he was just out of control because he was afraid of dying. So he just said, screw it, just jump off the slide, right? Um, and that's how you do flanderization correctly, is exacerbate the, the worst of the character because you're making a point. Um, but when you do it by accident, it's just because there's different writers that don't understand what made the character the character. Um, so with that little intro out of the way, what makes a character a character? interesting you know interesting thing to think about because we don't really you know most people don't really think about what makes a character a character right it's kind of all subconscious um but what makes a character a character is basically you know i I like to think of it this way a character can be boiled down to one sentence every character one sentence It, it could be a long sentence it could be a short sentence but every character can be boil down to a single sentence like Iron Man in the MCU not the comics in the MCU because I don't know shit about the comics but in the MCU Iron Man can be boiled down to well-intentioned I should have thought this through before I started talking but well-intentioned millionaire who has a tendency to go a little overboard to protect what he loves. And every, nearly every decision Iron Man makes throughout the MCU, from Iron Man 1 all the way to Endgame, can be summed up in that fashion. That he's, a, he's well-intentioned, but at the same time, he, oh, he always has a tendency to go a little too far. A little too far in the, wrong, in the opposite direction. The most chilling and obvious example being Civil War, where the Sokovia Accords um, were came into play, and Iron Man said, yeah, register right now. All of you. I don't care. Right? Regardless of civil liberties and, um, and uh, civil rights, Iron Man was just like, we're registering because, you know, we need to make up for it. Well-intentioned, yes, but it was the wrong call. It was way too far in the opposite direction. Um, another example being in, um, in Infinity War, where, uh, he has the whole Morton Solus thing going wrong, where it's like, had to be me, someone else would have gotten it wrong, right? Like, it has to be him to go to face Thanos. I mean, no, it doesn't, but it does, for him, because it always has to, he always takes it a little too far. He means well, but he always takes it a little too far. To protect what he loves. And that that's how you sum up his character. In one clean sentence. Um, and sometimes movies do this on their own as well. Um, where a character can be summed up in one sentence. Like Shuri from Black Panther. Regardless of how I feel about that movie. We'll talk about that another day. But um, Shuri talks about how she... Uh, At the beginning of the movie, it's the theme of the movie, but at the same time, Shuri can be summed up by this one sentence of just because it, uh, just because it works doesn't mean it can't be improved, right? That's Shuri's motto, basically. She's always trying to find a way to improve things, so to speak. I mean, she's kind of a minor character, so she doesn't have, like, this huge arc that you could, like, summarize in a much more 
a much more descriptive sentence, right? But that's what we know about her in like the what the the two to three appearances that she's had. Uh, but yeah, like if you can, but here's here's the problem is that um, you can do that with a lot of characters, but if you can't do that with your character, you have a serious problem. Like, uh, hate to do it, hate to do it, <laughs> hate to do it, but let's talk Kylo Ren, okay? Can't dodge it. In the second episode already, can't dodge it. We gotta talk about Kylo Ren. What can you boil Kylo Ren down to? What is his character? Think about it for a hot second. That's right. He's a mess. He's a freaking mess, right? Kylo Ren cannot be described as one character, as one sentence because in in Force Awakens he's a Darth Vader wannabe, a Darth Vader like you know fanboy, right? There's meta reasons for why this is the case, but whatever. Um, he's kind of a Darth Vader wannabe in Force Awakens, um, and you can summarize him as that. And he's a Darth Vader wannabe that wants to follow in his grandfather's footsteps. Okay, cool. But in The Last Jedi, he turns into a completely different character, right? He's All of a sudden, he's this character that wants to kill the past, right? He, he doesn't want anything to do with the past. The whole Vader, the Vader wannabe thing was dropped in The Last Jedi. Like, he even destroys the, the helmet that he created to, to, to emulate Darth Vader. To make his voice deeper and, you know, raspy and sound like he has a breathing apparatus or something. But he destroys it in The Last Jedi. Like, the, the burnt, crispy Vader helmet doesn't appear in The Last Jedi either. But then in The Rise of Skywalker, all of a sudden, you know, the Vader helmet comes back. But at the same time, now it's just a mess. Kylo Ren is an absolute mess in The, in the Rise of Skywalker. What exactly can you summarize with him? What is his purpose in the movie? What does he do besides meander around, try to hunt down Rey? And then at some point he goes, we can take on Palpatine together. And it's just like, where's this coming from? At first you're his, at first you're Palpatine's personal attack dog. Then you want to team up with Rey to take him down. And then you want to team up with Rey to take him down. But this time you want to get in her pants and you want to be a good guy, boy. You want to be a good boy now because you want to get, in, you want to get inside them, them Rey Palpatine pants. You feel me? It's inconsistent. Is what I'm saying. Across the three movies and across the trilogy, Kylo Ren is a mess. Okay? You can't summarize his character in one sentence. You can't say, hey, this is Kylo Ren's mission. Or, hey, this is um, this is what his character is about. Because it's a mess. It's what happens when you have two directors that didn't communicate at all between the three movies. Speaking of which, Ray is another example. What exactly is the one... Actually, no. No, I gotta take it back. Raise one... Raise one sentence is, uh... I'm a girl and I'm the bestest ever. That's raise one sentence. That's all That's all you need to summarize Ray. We'll get into why that is the case. She's kind of a Mary Sue. We'll talk about what a Mary Sue is later, but... You can at least summarize Ray in one sentence. It's terrible that I can summarize her that way, but that's the way I can summarize her. But that's that's how you can kind of, you know, boil down characters. If you can't boil down your character into one sentence, you have a problem. Serious problem. Because it means you're kind of just aiming in the dark, 
trying to figure out what does this character do now? Because if you think about it from, if you can boil down your character to one sentence, every choice that they make will make sense. Every single choice, even for someone like Thanos, right? Thanos, my one sentence for Thanos was uh, uh, someone who wants to do right no matter the cost, right? Although Avengers Endgame gives you a little bit of an alternate kind of interpretation is that maybe he isn't doing that, but based on what the movie explicitly gives us, yeah, that's my one sentence. Um, but yeah, that's 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 looking at it from a bird's eye view. But let's talk about let's let's go a little bit deeper, a little bit of a deeper dive here, All right? Um, we're not going to necessarily talk about power sets or abilities or anything like that. We're going to talk about character, personality traits. Because it's 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 very difficult to write characters, okay? Believable characters at that. Very difficult. Um, so once you have that one sentence, um, you have to kind of really start thinking about how that character... Like, what kind of personality would this character have being birthed from that one sentence? So let's take Iron Man, for example, right? Iron Man, I said well-intentioned um, well millionaire or something like that. I forget what I said. <laughs> well-intentioned millionaire that has a tendency to go too far to protect what he loves, right? So what, where, where is that born from, the tendency to go overboard to protect what he loves? insecurity and nothing says insecurity like daddy issues because that's exactly what tony stark has in the mcu daddy issues the need to protect what he loves comes from the fact that his parents were killed when he was young especially his mother he was very close to his mother so that's that's one thing that you know that's an aspect of tony's character is that he's kind of insecure and it pops up every once in a while throughout the MCU, even jokingly, uh, such as when uh, he says, you're embarrassing me in front of the space wizards in Inf Infinity War. It's a joke, but it's to it's totally in character. Tony is kind of an insecure playboy. Um, but that insecurity tends to crop up and turn into something a little bit toxic, such as the Sokovia Accords. But a little bit more on the lighter side, that insecurity... Um, creates a very defensive character a character that um doesn't like letting people in because he's afraid of losing them right and then on top of that you get a character that's a bit snarky he's a bit snarky because he's uh he's insecure he has a tendency to bite back when somebody gets at his ego right so so that's a what that's that's one aspect of Tony's character, insecurity. All right. So, what else could we build from that? Um, a character who has relationship issues, a character who has a tendency not to stay committed to one person. Now, this wasn't really a big deal in the MCU, but it took Tony's second movie to actually become in a relationship with Pepper Potts. But uh, beforehand, he was a playboy. He was kind of like, you know, kind of messing around. You feel me? 
because that that insecurity comes up again. And that's kind of the great thing about writing characters is finding out what is at the core of the character allows you to branch out, create a character that blossoms out, right? So your one sentence, you pull out insecurity, and then you can create a character from that. You could do this all day for a lot of characters. Like, uh, let's do a different character. We're not going to do Thor because Thor is a special case. Um, they kind of retool Thor between Avengers Age of Ultron and Thor Ragnarok. They retooled him a little bit. They made him a little bit different, so I can't use him. It's a little bit of a special case. We'll talk about that retooling another day. Another day. I kind of slurred my, my words there. Let me get a little bit of this White Claw here. Oh, wet my tongue. All right. So let's talk about Captain America. Captain America, he's a little bit of an idealist, isn't he? I, I'd say he's a little bit of an idealist. Um, willing to lay down lay down his life to protect Bucky. Um, not willing to compromise on something that is just strictly just against civil rights. Talking about the Sokovia Accord. So I'd say he's a little bit of an idealist. So yeah, uh, my one sentence for Captain America would be, an idealist who's willing to lay down his own life to do the right thing, right? And you can see a lot of his actions throughout the MCU line up with that. Mainly the fact that he's willing to protect Bucky from Tony. Because he knows that Bucky was not totally in control of his actions when he killed Tony's parents. So, yeah, um... One thing that's a little bit iffy that doesn't fit that is the uh, the fact that he knew that Bucky killed Tony's parents and he didn't tell Tony. That kind of... That's the kind of moral dilemma that creates such a juicy conflict because it's, it's one of those lose-lose situations. You tell Tony, Tony kills Bucky. You don't tell Tony, Tony beats your ass and then kills Bucky. So... That's one of those great con conflicting things, right? So, what causes a, a character to be idealistic like that? A character like Captain America who believes in something as uh, idealistic as the American dream. Because that's, that's what the American dream is. It's pretty idealistic, right? Uh, wife, kids, good paying job, nice car, white picket fence, the works, right? But... Does, just because you can imagine it doesn't mean it's going to happen. Just like a lot of the stuff that Captain America goes through. Just because you can imagine it. A happy ending where Bucky, Tony, and Captain America, uh, and Steve are all holding hands, singing Kumbaya as Black Panther is, uh, is, um, uh, doing the, the what is that chant? Mbambe, that he was doing in Infinity War? Yeah, just imagine that. As nice as that is, not going to happen right because there's just too many factors at play so that's that's an interesting thing is that captain america is idealistic in a sense because of the american dream the american dream is pretty idealistic um and that kind of um that kind of plays into some of the things that happen in the winter soldier as well where captain america 
is pretty idealistic. Um, so he believes in his country to the point where he believes in his government. <laughs> foolish, foolish man. But he believes in his country's government, right? Only to learn that his vision was clouded by idealism and his country's government was about to do some pretty messed up stuff because it was taken over by really bad people from Germany. So that allowed him to grow as a character. And then, um, and um, that idealism that, there's my dog, that idealism that he had in the first movie, protecting his country, um, defending his fellow soldiers, is starting to fade away as the series goes on. Starting with Winter Soldier, that idealism starts to fade. Um, so, so for Tony, we have insecurity for captain america or steve rogers we have idealism a lot of these characters can be boiled down to one sentence and even one word if they're written well but with characters like kylo ren you can only boil them down to anger and that sucks that's not an idea that's not a concept that's an emotion that's it any character can be angry. Any character can be, you know, can destroy stuff. Anybody can do that. But what does it say about his character? Him being angry, what does that say? Nothing. And that's kind of the problem with a lot of characters. Um, especially in, in things that want to kind of emulate the MCU, where they don't understand what makes the MCU the MCU. Such as... Uh, uh, Shane Black's little darling, the Predator. God, that movie freaking sucks. But um, where every character is written like some kind of goofball, right? Every character kind of has the same voice except for Tourette's guy because he has Tourette's. But every character is this snappy, snapback, you know, kind of try-hard character that is trying to be funny. But it's the same brand of humor for each character. What I like to do when I write is I like to give each character a certain kind of comedy. A certain kind of comedy that works for them. Such as, uh, let's see, um, my character Bria. Her, her, her slapstick, like her comedy comes from slapstick. Where a lot, of her, a lot of her funny moments come from the fact that she gets knocked over. She hurts herself on accident or something like that, you know. And it's completely harmless. It's, it had like the damage she takes is completely harmless, inconsequential. Um, while someone like Ozzy per se is a character whose humor comes from saying witty and dry things, um, saying things that, and then when you play it, put him, you know, with another character like Ozzy will say something and it will go completely over Bria's head. And that's where a lot of the humor comes from with those two, is that Ozzy will say something that Bria doesn't quite understand, or Bria will say something completely oversimplified, and Ozzy will be like, that is not the case. But that's the problem with a lot of you know media these days, is that they think that the key to writing MCU-quality stuff, or you know MCU-quality characters, is, that, um, is to just make them funny. And that's not the case. You have to really understand each character in order to... Uh, in order to get characters that all feel different and comedy that feels true and moments that feel uh, organic. My little puppy is here, my little girl. Uh, so, yeah. Um, 
Hey, you want to go somewhere? You want to go away? Go away. Well, she's here. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, that that's one thing that people think seem to get like the wrong idea from from the MCU is that oh, it's funny, so it must be good. Even the 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 forbidden movie, The Last Jedi, follows this same thing where the 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 movie thinks that putting humor in it is the way to make characters right it's the way to make endearing characters is just make everyone funny when you do that you actually ruin the tone of the movie and we'll talk about tone in another episode but um such as things like kylo ren being shirtless and ray is blushing and it's just like this this guy is i'm supposed to take this guy serious but he's here like like half naked and the hero is like blushing, thinking about you know sucking on his nipples or something, right? And it's just like, what? Am I supposed to take Kylo seriously or not? And that comes from a lack of respect for your own characters. To understand that each of these characters needs to be written, like treated like an actual person. Like, what are you trying to say about this character? I I think I've said this before a long time ago or something, but um, like that's the purpose of the one sentence, you know. The one sentence rule, the not rule, but the one sentence process of creating a character and boiling them down to one sentence. What are you trying to say about this character? Like, what exactly is the message you're trying to convey here? And that, my friends, is, you know, the key to writing a character that makes sense is what is your intention when writing this character? And you can answer that by creating that one sentence. What is your intention when creating Iron Man? I want to create a well-intentioned uh, millionaire that tends to go a little too far whenever he is trying to protect what he loves. Okay, follow that throughout the series. Simple. At least I think it's simple. I don't know. Maybe I'm, Maybe people think it's too hard or something. I don't know. But that's just how I write my characters is take it, boil it down to one sentence and then um and then follow through with it like uh my boy Alistair in the books you know the handsome fellow with the dreadlock a little handsome i know but uh, <laughs> uh what what do i what did i do with Alistair Alistair boil it down to one sentence Alistair is a highly emotional highly impulsive character that is willing to do incredibly dangerous things to protect what he loves you see how it can kind of be a little bit like iron man's but not quite not quite right where he's willing to do things that'll hurt himself in order to protect what he loves while iron man goes too far to protect what he loves it's a similar concept but not quite right iron man's not willing to injure himself to protect what he loves and i wish my dog would leave me alone but yeah, uh, we're, we're we're nearing our uh, our limit here. We went a little bit over, but yeah. Uh, sum it up. Can you boil down a character to one sentence? If you can't do that, you're in trouble. You're screwed. Mega ultra screwed. Start over, basically. So yeah, um, I'm gonna wrap it up here, folks. Um, I hope you enjoyed this episode. Um, Next episode, we're going to start getting a little bit wilder. We're going to get a little bit more kooky, a little bit crazy. You feel me? Um, we're going to respond to stuff. We're going to start looking into uh, 
like reacting to stuff we're gonna start doing that in the next episode so i I, i'm i'm looking forward to it you feel me (laughs) um so yeah uh i still don't have a catchphrase yet um uh tiki tiki tiga i don't know that's my catchphrase i guess tiki tiki tiga i don't know but i'm about to enjoy this white claw for the night and i hope you guys have a good one and uh my dog you want to say bye girl he doesn't want to say bye all right see ya Thank you for listening to the Blur Havoc podcast. Purchase the Blur Havoc book series on Amazon Kindle or paperback today.